Chase, you gotta copy this. Yeah, go ahead. 11 months gone. I'll be over in a minute. Time, temperature, and concentration. Read the work order. Safety glasses. You're not done with that yet? Hey, put on some gloves. Can you please just follow the process? Make sure you put your respirator away. The solvent rags go over the side of the trash can. Where's your wet film gauge? Make sure you're putting tags back on the parts. Did you milk check that? Put your tools away. This Chase. Welcome to KaiserCast episode five. Today we have an amazing interview that we're gonna do with Liz Shea. She's an artist here around Lincoln and uh, we've worked with her at Kaiser for a number of years now. I pretty much uh, got to know her from the very get-go when I first started working there. They were, there was a, pro a project that was already in process, um, so that should be really fun. She's got a, a lot of uh, Nebraska roots, so she'll be able to tell us about all the stuff that she's been involved in, and we'll talk about how we got to know her and how the, our relationship has developed over the years. But first, we'll get started with this, our open discussion. Um, topic this week in Lincoln anyway was snow 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 we had the most snow that we've ever had and it's like in the top five snowfalls I think so it was around it was above 12 inches for sure across the state and so the beginning of the week uh, believe it or not we did not we had to didn't work on Monday or we only worked part of a day on Monday and then Tuesday we took off entirely just because there's so much snow trying to get that all moved and out of the way and just everybody was having a hard time getting around town because there's so much of it um, when's the last time you closed for weather <laughs> i don't think ever to be honest with you i think there's maybe been one other time that when i first started that we might have not ran production for a day just because it was you know, super icy or snowy and it kind of happened overnight where the plows couldn't get to it when we because we start pretty early but it's usually never, and I wasn't even, like, they were forecasting to be a lot of snow, but I, to me, it was like, well, I'm going to go to work anyway, and, like, I have a four-wheel drive pickup, so that's not really going to matter, but it wasn't, like, in the morning, it was just snowing a little bit. It wasn't bad, but it just started snowing like crazy, and um, a couple of the guys live about an hour away, so they decided in the morning that they weren't even going to come into work because they were afraid they weren't going to be able to get home. And they made a good decision because it would have been really tough for them. And so then about midday, I just decided to send everybody else home because I didn't want anybody getting stuck. So, mm -hmm. And then you spent the night scooping, it sounds like? Basically, yeah. Well, I, I didn't think it was going to get too bad. And there's like when nobody's there, that's my best time to get stuff done. And uh, and Chloe works remotely. So like then me and her were able to have a meeting and we had a way longer meeting than normal. She, I probably ruined her day and wasted a ton of her time, <laughs> but, but we hammered out a lot of stuff and we got some good direction going on a couple new things that we're, we've been working on. So that was great. And, uh, then I was like, well, I've been here this long. I might as well just 
stay until it stops snowing. And I kept thinking it was going to stop snowing. I always look out and it's still snowing, still snowing. Finally, eight o'clock, I was like, well, I'm just going to go out there. It's according to the radar, it should be stopping soon. So move snow for about four hours and just, I just four had hours. Yeah, till like midnight. And I just had a first pass on everything. Like there was still, it definitely wasn't clean everywhere. Like it needed a lot more um, to get it fully cleaned off. But there's, when it's that deep, you just have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And so then I finally, I was going to stay the night, but I was so hungry. It's like, I'll just go home. And by then, like the main roads were pretty darn clear. The side streets obviously were still full of snow, but the main roads they'd already gotten to. And so then I just text my dad and I text everybody when I got home, everybody at work in the group chats that we have through text messages and said, Hey, don't, don't worry about coming in on Tuesday because it's going to be too hard to get to work. And I texted Dad and told him that I did the first pass on the whole lot and everything. So, and I would be back in the morning. And then I talked to him on Tuesday, and he's like, "Yeah, when I got that text, I just got up, fed the dog, and came in a second shift." So he, he started <laughs> scooping again around like two or something like that, two a.m. You know that this all happened because you know that we we made this happen, right? Because we put something on social media the other day about how you hate scooping snow, and then you mentioned it on one of the episodes of Kaiser Cast, and it's like the universe is like, "Haha, that is <laughs> I true. got you." Yeah, I, so I don't actually mind running the bobcat. Uh, it's in it gets cumbersome, like snow blowing, and like I'll do it, but that's not not very fun. But running the bobcat's fun. I just like running equipment. But the other night when I was doing it for four hours, after a while, I was like, man, I'm getting tired. Like, not tired in the sense of, like, sleepy, but just, like, it when you keep pushing snow and moving snow and moving snow, and it's, like, it doesn't even look like you've done anything. Not because it's still snowing, just because there's so much. So you push one area, come back, push again, and you just keep filling the bucket up so much. It just pushes off to the side and fills areas that you already scooped. It's just it's frustrating you don't feel like you're getting anywhere does that count as the thing you fixed this week or was there something else as well i didn't nothing actually broke surprisingly so that means next week's gonna be just a disaster probably <laughs> but uh i did some maintenance i i actually took advantage of uh monday afternoon when when nobody was there um the blast air compressor has been needing to just have an oil filter change and, and an air filter change and we've been so busy i've been just putting it off because i didn't want to lose production so i did that so that was nice i always feel like i don't know why but whenever i work on a piece of equipment or do maintenance on it i feel like that i'm like that it's just like super new and ready to go after i work on it kind of like, like in my mind i feel like you know after you've been for like a really long run or out for out doing something during the day and it's really hot and you just take like a really big drink of cool water and it just feels so mm. refreshing for some reason. That's what I imagine in my mind, like as I'm topping off the oil in the compressor, <laughs> like, the, like the, the compressor is like a character from the movie Cars and they're just like, oh yeah, now I'm ready to run again for a week, a year or whatever. That's amazing. So, yeah, we need I, to make a cartoon out of that. We do, because that's what I, I don't know why, but that's what I always envision that I'm like getting it all like tuned up and ready to ready to go, getting it refreshed. And so I got that done and and I just did some maintenance today on the uh, air compressor in the powder shop. Um, I've learned the air compressors that we use that are, that are really 
large in their rotary screw compressors, actually, um, not like the smaller ones that are uh, reciprocating that make a lot of noise that most people would have in their garages or something. But um, I learned a lot that it's hard to to get a hold of that information. You kind of have to learn by experience, but I've learned a lot about the maintenance of them and 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 also all the filters that you need to make sure that your air is clean after it comes out of the compressor. So if anybody ever has any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, that's kind of where I get to use my engineering background knowledge. And and so that's that's the probably the funnest maintenance I do is working on the, the compressors. We wrote a blog about air quality. It's been a while now. We should revisit that. We should because it is, it's really important and it's kind of a big unknown in the industry. Like everybody knows that it's important, but how to achieve really good clean air consistently, economically mainly, because there there's always been things that I could go buy that are really expensive that would probably solve the problems, but they're just, they're like cost prohibitive almost for small businesses. So I finally have, over the years, have found a combination through trial and error and um, some input from manufacturers to kind of put together a, a piece-parted system um, that I think works really well and it's economical and, and we get gets the job done. And it's easy to maintenance. A lot of that stuff can be hard to maintenance if you get something really extravagant. Then it takes like a very special, specialized technician to come in and do the maintenance on it, which then again drives up the cost of having that piece of equipment. So, yeah, we should revisit that because it, it's a big... I have uh, just people that uh, we're friends with that, are, that own other small businesses and they are needing an air or air compressors. Questions have come up and I always enjoy helping them because it, there's just so many options and you just don't know what, what's going to suit your needs and what you need to get. And then what after you make a decision, they're usually pretty, they're very expensive and then realize like, oh, that was the wrong one or... I didn't realize that it's going to take all this maintenance or there's a lot with air. People don't realize it, but there's a lot with air and air powers pretty much everything that we do at Kaiser. So I have to be knowledgeable about it. I'm picturing you writing the um, powder coating startup guide for beginners. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. I just had one of our uh, staff in the other yesterday told me that we need to, he's like, I know that we have, uh, some training documents that we go through when we first start, but I think that it would be helpful if we had something that more of like a book, kind mm -hmm. of what you're just saying. So yeah, yep. that probably is somewhere in our future. So what did you? Is there anything that popped up on social media this week, or what's your what's your tip for this week? My tip for this week is don't hide behind stock images. I see a lot of that. Everything looks very polished and pretty and sort of impersonal. I'd rather see your team in your shop, um, poorly lit cell phone photos of, you know, someone on your team flashing a thumbs up, showing off something cool that they did is so much more interesting to me than something that's been, you know, obviously canned and that isn't even a photo of you. So what do you mean when you say canned and stock? You mean it's not even a picture from anything? Like like if I were to use a stock image, it wouldn't be of anything at Kaiser. It'd be something I grabbed off the internet. Right. I think people really put a lot of value on professional-looking images, and they're willing to just use a generic one that they found online to get their point across as opposed to taking a slightly crappier version on their phone in their shop 
with their people. And I'm telling you um, that at least from a, a social media consumer's perspective, I'm a lot less interested in the former and a lot more interested in the latter. Uh, that makes sense. And I always That's feel like advice. when I see the stock images that it's like, it could be like plagiarism or something. Like, I don't you know. Right. Which I know you can get them. There's plenty. I mean, there's websites. Um, you can get them for free. And it's not, I'm not saying never use them. I'm saying like, don't use only that. We need to see your faces. I feel like that we might have a little bit of an advantage at Kaiser. The like, there probably aren't very many, maybe, you know, but there's probably not very many stock photos that you could get that would apply to our, I mean, if we're talking about our team, I guess you get pictures of people, right. but talking about our processes that are pretty much, I don't think there yeah. is stock photos. So I guess that's yeah. helpful for us. It's our default. But I know like when people see your face, they're a lot more likely to interact with the post than they are if it's even just a picture of, you know, a corroded part or whatever. Yeah, I've noticed that. I agree. So that's my tip. So this week on KaiserCast episode five, we are interviewing Liz Shea. She is a professional artist um, and an, an art activist here in Lincoln, Nebraska. She's been involved with a lot of the art projects around town. She has a bachelor's and a master's in education and textile design from UNL, really involved with the Nebraska Arts Council. She does a lot of teaching. She's taught at Doan, Lincoln Public Schools, Westland. I think she still teaches today. She'll be able to answer that for us. But Kayser's done a lot of projects with her over the years. I've got to know her really well. She's a good uh, friend of ours, good client as well. Um, and we've worked together on a lot of projects. So how are you doing today, Liz? We're really, really excited to have you on. Well, I'm doing great. And it's always it's always fun to talk with you, Jason, talk about all the good work at Kayser because I've been Gosh, I've been a client. That's the other thing I didn't think about, how long I've been working together with you on so many different artistic um, projects over the years. But um, anyway, it's great to, to have this opportunity to talk about all the good work of Kayser and why I keep coming back. Yeah, I think he's, I think it all started before I even worked there full time because I, I remember like, Jay always referred to you as the bike lady because we were doing we were doing <laughs> stuff with the the bikes around town. We were helping refurbish those, and then I think I think it was one of the first months that I worked there that I was introduced to you. So it's it's been a long time. I was back well, in 2015 when I started. So right, I initially started working with your dad, and Jay uh, was very um, he didn't know me very well. So, and he was kind of cautious of this person that wanted to, I, I believe it was the gear library bike that I started first working with your dad at, over at Kaiser. And I um, actually, what happened was the artist was unable to, um, okay. After the, the first public art project I directed in Lincoln and also participated in as an artist was the tour to Lincoln, which was the bike project. That's how your dad got to know me over at Kaiser. And what happens with artwork after it's been outside um, and on, for in our harsh Nebraska climate or wherever, it starts to need uh, to be re, uh, reworked, restored refurbished is the word. And so uh, 
the Gear Library bike, it was called Balancing the Books, was needing to be repainted. And so the artist um, who was going to paint the bike, uh, she was having some health issues. So the bike was taken to Kaiser, because I heard about Kate, word of mouth is the, to me is uh, still one of the best ways to learn about who to go to, because that means that that person has had a great experience. And um, a friend of ours, a construction worker told us about you. And we always know when this guy tells us, gives us a referral, it's gonna be the best. And so that's why the bike was taken over to Kaiser to be blasted initially, because in order to do something really well, it has to start from scratch. And so Kaiser blasted off the old paint and the rust and all the stuff that was on this bike. And I ended up coming over to Kaiser um, and setting up a little area uh, much to Jay's happiness <laughs> in the warehouse. Um, and I would come and put, I set up some lights and, and a little, brought a little stool. And it took me, uh, I think several weeks to paint that bike. Cause there was like 16 different colors. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of color. Cause there was a ton of books, on ton, of, with them. ton of books piled up at, and, um, uh, one of the things that you asked me beside my own bike, and I actually did three, you saw one of them, one of them needed to be restored, the kids' bikes, but I did three, two others. And you asked what one of my favorite bikes was the gear library bike called Balancing the Books. And that's how I got to know Kaiser and your dad. And then once um, that bike was finished, when I finished painting it, and then Kaiser clear coated it, correct? Yep. Yeah. Then it was reinstalled and it 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 looks and that was gosh, did you say what was See, it? Twenty I think that was twenty fifteen, because that's when I would have started full time. And I, I vaguely remember like I think that project was kind of going on when I started because I remember seeing that bike and I was just I was trying to get acclimated to everything that was going on down at the shops and I asked well, Dad like what is this what is this bike doing in here halfway painted and he's like uh, you don't want to know <laughs> yeah you don't want to know Jay Jay's going like but you got to like me I know your he dad did. got to like me over the years because I had a great work work ethic, just like he did. And I tried to be, you know, quiet and not interfere with anything going over at Kaiser. But um, that, the, the bikes had been out, they have been out in around Lincoln since 2003. So by 2015, that That's bike, a long time. yeah. So that was one of the first bikes that needed to be restored. And it looks, you know, so, it's 2021 now, and that bike, after Kaiser finished it, still looks good as new. So, um, it, so it doesn't matter what I come to Kaiser with, and that's why you have such a twinkle in your eye, and your dad is the same twinkle in his eye because I don't care if it's a light bulb, which you know the light bulbs around Lincoln, uh, the hearts around Lincoln, uh, those are the, some of the major projects that I worked on and always end up, if I need help, coming back to Kaiser. It's because you're gonna do the job right. You also have a good eye 
and it, you know, I, I need somebody that's a straight shooter with me, but I also need somebody with a touch of aesthetics and, 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 and want the, the piece to look just like I do. And uh, I'm type A about what I do with my work and my artwork, meaning I want it perfect. And Kayser has that same philosophy. So you stick to a schedule, you get the job done, you give me a good quote, and then I know it's gonna be done on time and it's gonna look great. So it's easy for me to talk about Kayser. I don't need any notes. <laughs> I think that's Chloe, quite I think, a ringing endorsement. I think, <laughs> yeah. So once once something is clear coated, um, what kind of durability can you expect? I mean, does that make a big difference? Oh, absolutely. It um, the thing about Kaiser, it's clear coated professionally, and then I think Jace, don't you heat it for make it after you clear coat it? Do you put it in a temperature control room or something so it gets really hot you kind of bake it on is that what you do um if we're doing powder coating with it um yeah but a lot of the time we're clear coating after you've done some painting or another artist has done some painting so we right. just have to we have to let that air dry because we the paints that you guys use won't hold up in the well, oven the paints i use hold up but i've also had you mask off areas and powder coat those areas along right. with me doing some handwork because it is a piece of art so it can't all be done uh by Kaiser in a powder coating fashion but right, together right. but together as a result of this cooperative venture and communication these pieces of art that get done like the gear library bike and and all the others that have been done since uh, I want to say 2015 uh, they look brand new and I know see when we first did when the artists first did the um, tour to Lincoln uh, back in 2003 all of the work was hand done by the artists so we purchased the clear coat and we hand brushed it on I got you so it's totally different when you know, uh, you want that feeling of artistics, you know, the, the, the hand done work, a hand done look, because you want it to be a piece of art. But on the other hand, when it comes to clear coating, the professional clear coat is going to last a lot longer, which means the artistic feeling of that bike is going to last longer too. So anyway, it kind of goes hand in hand. I've also given Kaiser the artistic work and Jace counseled me that by using vinyl, correct Jace? Yeah, vinyl decals. Vinyl decals, that that may even last longer than the painted work. So some of these uh, are a combination of the decals, like balancing the book, books it's got authors and um titles of books around the outside that was done with decals and that that also looks good as new so i mean some of these are a combination of ways to get something done right but it still has the artistic look and it will last 
So um, I need it all because I usually end up having to find all the money to pay Kaiser to do the work. And my hand is always out and people are starting to walk backwards and they see me coming because I always need money. I can't fund these uh, projects myself. But Lincoln has always been very generous when it comes to the public art projects. So they are willing to step forward and get these things restored so they can stay out in front, uh, front and center around our community because Lincoln is really proud of these public art projects. They have a way to bring the community together to have something other than politics and sports to talk about, to make people smile. Um, I think the uh, positives that go along with these projects are tenfold. And um, that's why when I found Kaiser, I'm not going to anybody else because I know, uh, number one, we've developed friendships and relationships, which is a plus, and that's what you want. And because we are Nebraskans, we are grassroots, but we also need something done right. It's turned into a really good combination, like you were saying with the I feel like that we bring the corrosion protection factor to like on the bikes since they're metal to begin with that project that we can help bring like the corrosion protection to it. Then you, you or the other artists can add your, the artist touch to it again. So that way it's still art. And then we come in with a clear coat and it turns out to be really good. In the beginning, I have to admit, I was skeptical of how we were going to make all of that work together. <laughs> but, but um, he's just like, I mean, you guys, the, the first public art project, see, we did use metal for the Tour de Lincoln, the bikes, because bikes are machines. So it seemed to make more sense to use metal, to use steel, to create the, you know, that, the image of the bike, which is basically two circles and a triangle in the center. I mean, they're very straightforward. It's a strong design. With every other project, uh, around the country and the, the light bulbs, the hearts, the other ones, for the most part, were done in fiberglass. But Kaiser has the ability to work in all materials. So whether it's metal, steel, or fiberglass, I can still come to Kaiser and work with you guys on what I need. So it's a package deal. So I, and I usually, I just parachute into your office, as you know, Jason, Jesus, uh, oh, could I have an Definitely. <laughs> parachute is the perfect <laughs> word. <laughs> oh, listen. What, what's interesting is whenever we have um, a new receptionist, which it happens from time to time, but they usually, like the first day that they're there, I'm like, okay, you don't let anybody come into my office. Anybody that comes in and doesn't have an appointment, you got to try to turn them away. And then it's all like here, you come in, and I know that they haven't met you yet. And I can hear your voice because you're always very bubbly, so I can hear it through the door. And so I have to pop out of my chair right away before they run you out of the building. Because I, I, I always want to talk to you. I know. I, uh, I love it because I know the, what, the, what they're supposed to say and they never do. And they're always so nice to me. And, you know, age helps a little bit, I suppose, because they think, oh, here comes Liz again. But uh, I, it's like I'm never going to stay very long. I don't stay long. I don't over overkill my, what do you call that, overstay my visit. But 
I don't know why I think what I have to say is so darn important that I can interrupt you at any time, Jace. But I don't know. I enjoy it. It helps break my day up. (laughs) You're so, you're so steady over there. I mean, you're such a business person. You're over there Saturday and Sunday. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, I think Chloe has some (laughs) questions for you. This is so great. I have to tell you, Liz, um, my family moved to Lincoln in 2003, and our distinct first impression was seeing some of those bikes and then realizing that this was a thing and that they were all over town, and I remember driving through downtown looking for them. Well, it's like a a wonderful giant scavenger hunt, and it adds another... a wonderful dimension to our city so it's just not nuts and bolts and budgets and planning and this and that uh but it's it's there's something other great things going on here so i love Mm -hmm. being a part of that and the art scene is something that uh, is in my is in my dna and uh so now i've shared that with kaiser and i know you guys feel the same way so I want to go back to a comment you made about being a grassroots Nebraskan. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, were you born and raised? How far back do your roots go? Uh, we moved to uh, Lincoln from Rochester, Minnesota in uh, when I was in fifth grade. And I, I must say, I, I consider myself grassroots Nebraskan because I'm a Midwesterner and I, um, I have that work ethic. I love, I after I graduated from the university with an undergrad in education, I did move to North Carolina for a little bit just because my college roommate wanted uh, me to join her. And, but I didn't, I stayed there for a few years. I taught school, but I, I miss the Midwest. I miss the work ethic. I miss uh, our, I just, I will always be a Midwesterner. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I, and then I went ahead and got a master's degree in textile design because of my love of creativity. And at that time, working in fiber. But then the beauty of getting that master's degree was I learned another art form, which was screen printing and how to use that as an art form, which I have taught uh, screen printing with the Nebraska Arts Council and other educational entities across the state of Nebraska since uh, 1990. So um, I have wear a couple of hats, actually three. I teach for the for the Nebraska Arts Council as an artist in residence. I um, I'm a professional artist, and I also wear the third hat, which my, is my love of directing public art projects. So I uh, I I have this curse with I can't say no. <laughs> but as a result, uh, I, I feel like I've, I've got a lot of really interesting things going on in my life, and I met wonderful people along the way. So it's a win-win. Where did your passion for art come from? Well, I'm a late bloomer, and uh, I have a very creative family, but because there were, you know, I have six other brothers and sisters, we were all kind of relegated to doing the same things like playing the piano and swimming. And uh, I was very involved in sports, believe it or not, when I was um, younger. But uh, I think my creativity uh, happened after I graduated from the university. 
which makes it really great for me to talk to students and say, you know, be open to be open to change and developing a side of you that you didn't know that you even had. And so it happened when I was in North Carolina, we didn't have my college roommate and I didn't have a TV. So she said, how about we go buy some paints and do some oil painting? There it did, there it was. That, I, it, it happened by accident. I didn't know I had anything, any creative juices in me, but as a result of a need and uh, something to do, I found out that I had this creative um, side of my uh, individuality that came out when I had moved away and didn't have anything else to do. So then I came back and uh, I, I decided to pursue a master's degree in textile design, which that's when I found my love of screen printing. And then also this, I just kept nurturing that creative side to what I've done over the last, gosh, 30 years, which is art. Wow. So once you had this epiphany that, you know, you actually really enjoy this and it's something you're good at, did you seek out mentors? Where did you go from there? Well, I learned um, when I wanted to start my own business as an artist, all you need is a tax number and a business card. I mean, that's basically all you need. And then, then I think it's trial by trial and error. And if you're lucky, you meet a mentor along the way. But I think a lot of figuring out your life's journey is either by making mistakes or by accident. And, um, you know, so I think my work and my development of my own artistic style and what I'm doing now, what I've done over the years has just come by trial and error. And yes, I have met supportive people along the way. You can't do it by yourself, but that, that may be a supportive person uh, at the university. It might be in an art gallery or it might be at Kaiser. It doesn't matter, but by staying in your own isolated little world, you're not gonna find what your, what your love. You just can't, you have to first work at it and be isolated, but then you have to get out and, uh, and learn more about the world and what's out there. So I think a lot of what I've done along the way is just by accidentally work walking into Kaiser and then I meet Jay and then I meet Jace and then I find a whole new world uh, that I can't do it by myself. So yeah, Kaiser's kind of been my mentor too, but I've, I've been a mentor for them because I've opened their eyes to this world of bigger than life uh, artistic opportunity for these artists. And uh, by reaching out to Kaiser, I'm gonna get something done right. And they like me for it. Yeah, I never realized that all of the uh, random art projects that popped up around Lincoln that I saw driving, you know, the bikes and light bulbs and arts were done by artists until we started working with you and then I, I was like oh that's I thought it was just something that like the city did and I didn't really realize that everybody like individually it was like each piece is an, is a 
goes to a specific artist. Right. And the other thing is the concept is, is usually handpicked for a certain reason, like the bikes. There's, there were two main reasons why I decided on bikes. Number one, everybody can identify with a bike. And number two, Lincoln has one of the top tra 10 trail networks, bike trail networks in the United States. So it, it, it just seemed the perfect fit for Lincoln. And the first public art project in the United States and around the world were, were cows. You know, the cows of Chicago. Well, I really like a cow and I like a steak, but I can't identify with a cow, but I can identify with a bike. Now the light bulbs, that was uh, sponsored by an organization called Lighthouse. And a light bulb is a symbol of learning ideas all that Lighthouse does for these kids that have the opportunity to work together with them over there. And their goal is to get these kids to graduate from high school. So the hearts, that was a Nebraska project. And the base of the hearts were, was uh, the state of the shape of the state of Nebraska. And that was called Nebraska by Heart. The hands was done by a Christian organization. And, and they were all about serving. So the hands were picked because of that, serving hands. So it just kind of goes on and on with picking a, a bigger than life concept that also fits with the organization that's sponsoring the project. So what order did those go in? The bikes was first, right? The bikes was first. Then there was a project called Star City Art Project because Nebraska, and that was done by the YWCA, and that was picked because Nebraska or Lincoln is the capital, the Star City. That was an, as well known. And then. Oh, that was the stars, the right. metal. Okay, so that just reminded me the very first project that I worked with you on was, <laughs> yeah. was, a, was a yellow star that's over, the, that's over there on. Uh, on what is that? 40th and, and, uh, Pine Lake. That was the first one that me and you worked That's on together. One? Yeah. Like you might've been kind of communicating with Jay a little bit, uh -huh. but I remember that one coming through and, and like putting in the schedule to get blasted. And I remember powder coating it, that bright yellow. And every time I drive by that, I always think like that's the very first, like that's how I met Liz basically. Well, did Jay delegate you? Probably. Yeah, that's probably what happened. Yeah. I think that's what happened. I think Jay goes, oh, Jace is here now. He can work with Liz. But yeah, that's I, think that's the, I think that's the first one okay. that we worked together on. So that one was a, that was for, what was the project for that? Because I've only seen one star, I think. Star City Art. And, you know, that's one that's still, there's a lot of the stars around Lincoln, but you have to be looking for them. Like now the one at uh, 40th and Pine Lake, that's that's huge, that's bigger than life and it's yellow and it's bright. But there's also, when you least expect it, you would see, you'll see the stars around Lincoln. Okay. Still around, but not so prominent as like the Tour de Lincoln. The next one was uh, the, um, I did one in Nebraska City, the trees, which you guys weren't affiliated with that one, but then the light bulbs, the hearts, the hands. So those are the, the next, they usually started happening every two years. So within the last about 20 years, um, I've done 
uh, well, a total of eight public art projects, but think there were six major art projects in Lincoln. The big community art projects that I was worked with pretty much with you on or the city of Lincoln. So. So did you see the cows and think to yourself, Lincoln could do this? Is that where that came from? No, the first public art project, I, I, I think I knew about the cows, Chloe, but I think the first project, the very first project that made me want to uh, bring a similar project back to Lincoln was up in Omaha. It was called the J Doe Project. And the J Doe, it wasn't Jane Doe, it, it, it was like the J Doe project. It was a huge six foot fiberglass sculpture. And it was, um, they were all over Omaha. And I went up to Omaha on a trip with some friends to have lunch and go to the Jocelyn Art Museum. That's when I saw the first J Doe. And I think that must have been in around 1999. I brought that, I was on the uh, president of the board of the Lincoln Arts Council at that time. So I brought it back to Lincoln and I said, this is what I saw in Omaha. We, we really should do something like that, a public art project in Lincoln. And then long story short, the bikes happened. And that for me was a 24, it was like a second master's degree to learn how to do a public art project. But then, then that was introduced to Lincoln in 2003. And then from there it's history. It's, it's been an 18 year journey of public art projects. So, they, Lincoln embraced these public art projects. I get phone calls from people that I don't know and they say, Liz, you don't know me. I've got a great idea for the next public art project. They, people love these projects, especially families and kids because it gives them something to do or photographers that want to go around and find all, all of whatever it may be. So scavenger hunts, whatever. Um, so that the first project was actually up in Omaha, Chloe. Okay. I imagine that coordinating all of this is a bit like herding cats. Can you talk about the challenges with public art projects um, and things you've learned, I guess, along the way? Well, the uh, let's see, how can I explain public art projects? I think every, and every day is an unexpected surprise with these projects. And the herding cats, I think that that might be appropriate just because you're working with a, a hundred different personalities. I mean, each artist has their own personality, their own problems, their own issues. The city, I have to work with the city. I have to work with, uh, you know, people at Kaser. I mean, I need to be able to communicate. Communication and being is the key. And if I drop a ball in communication, then that's gonna create more work for me because I didn't do a good job. So I think, um, and, and being real upfront, um, figuring out what the next step, which each project is different because each project has its own set of problems. So yeah, herding cats might be a great way, but I'm gonna say, it's more of a adventure, a journey, I, because for the most part, they're very, very positive, but that doesn't mean there's issues that come up that I go, gosh, what have I done? I've done it again. 
I here I am again, and I'm having right. an issue that I'm not sure how to solve it. But the best way to figure it, say, it, it, talk to a person is to admit it and say, you know what, I'm not sure of the answer. I've got to find it out. And I wouldn't keep doing these projects if I didn't, if the pluses didn't outweigh the minuses. I just think so from the tour to Lincoln to where I am now, um, you know, with the tour to Lincoln, everybody's just said yes to me. And I love that. I love everybody just saying yes. Let's just do this. But then over the over the years, there's been a lot more rules and permits and all the things that come up because now that they've uh, the city has experienced these projects, they go. We just can't say yes to everything, Liz. I just hate that. I like everybody to say yes, but now we can only have four like light bulbs around the city. Now we can, one in each quadrant of the city. Um, I don't know. It seemed to to these rules seem to be get more stringent, and uh, so I don't know. I. Uh, I know I would, I'm supportive of public art projects, but gosh, they're a lot of work. And it sounds like you have to be really flexible too. I mean, because the landscape is always changing. It's always changing. And part of the, the work that I had to do was write lots and lots of press releases because every, every new project I had to educate the city on, why are these, why are these light bulbs happening? What's the deal with that? why are these uh what is a what is a public art project you know uh the artist trying that i mean that was the biggest thing for me is to uh first of all get the artist to get on board and then the next thing was finding the sponsorship money to get the projects underwritten each 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 of the um bikes took a different sponsorship you know, somebody had to pay $3,000 just to get one of the bikes made. So, mm -hmm. and then to pay for the artist too, and pay for the artist supplies, um, pay the manufacturer. So I, I think I have become more thick skinned over the years, which is good and bad in a way. I'm a very sensitive person because that's what makes me a good teacher. But on the other hand, if you're a business person, you can't, you can't be too thin-skinned, and um, so I've I've learned to take a few more hard knocks along the way. I hope this isn't so. I'm, I hope you're not a psychologist, but anyway, um, I think that's what also what has developed that um, I've gotten better at this. I I can do a project in a lot less time, and um, get get gotten it off the ground and. The other thing is artists love doing these projects and right. I can attest to that you you're that you have thick skin and and that you can be sensitive to. Do you remember the time when I think mm -hmm. I was just having a bad week and I was frustrated that, that one of the I don't I don't remember if it was a bike or or what it was, but it had been sitting around forever and I wanted it out of the way or, or I think maybe Jay needed it out of the way or something. Anyway, I, I think I called you and I said, Hey, I need you to come down this weekend and get this done to get it out of the way. And it was like short notice. And I remember when you, when you got there, you, I could tell you were frustrated with me. Kind of like if you were like one of my aunts or something like that, you know what I mean? And you just looked at me like, Jace, 
I'm not happy about being here, but because it's you, I'm here. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. I do. Because you know what? You have a, a long leash too. I mean, you have to work, do your thing, and I have to fit within your boundaries. It was the same when I first started working over there with my, say, my little art studio. I couldn't take you guys for granted. I had to be thoughtful and sensitive to what, you know, I felt like you were giving me a break just working over there. You were also taking on things that everything was different. And you would look at me like, oh, you know, I, the number one thing, Jace, with you, you want to do a good job. And that puts a lot of pressure on you too. So I have to work with under in your boundaries. And so I can't be always pushy and get what I want done right away. Although don't ask my husband about that. <laughs> I just remember that day vividly. And that's like, like we'd been working together for a while, but like after that day, I feel like we got a lot closer because we just, we, we had the time where we were both frustrated with each other. And by the end of that day, we were kind of laughing it off. And since well, then, we've... I appreciate that really do jace because i don't know what i do without you so please don't throw me away please don't dump me along the side well, one of, of my road. favorite days at work was when me and you went and we had a few bikes we had to go look at oh, that's and that was right. pretty recently and we got in the car and drove around town and to look at all the bikes that still well, needed to be refurbished since that time i have met with the city i believe i told you uh i i think i met with the city and said you know i know what these bikes need and i I need the city's help a little bit with financing or underwriting these because I'm not going to be around forever. So once I get the, I want to keep working with you guys on this, but I need the city's help with financing and they have a foundation that they can help a little bit. If I said, if, but then the coronavirus happened and I don't know if you, I don't believe you've gotten any work. So I got to go back now as Mother Superior and rattle a cage because I don't want the bikes to go away. And if they turn into a rusty piece of junk, they're going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And the city can't deal with that. And, and now everybody's so tired that it's just easier to pick something up and put in the, in, in the you know, junk it. Well, there's a lot of love that went into those bikes. So as long as I'm around and I'm taking really good care of myself, Jace, I'm going to get the job done. I'm going to get work to Jay, uh, to Kaiser because I know it's going to get done right. But you, you put the same heart and soul into things that I do. So do you have, with all the teaching and, and stuff that you do, because pretty much every time I'm working with you, you're like, yeah, well, I can't come that day because I got class. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any like younger artists that you feel like you're – kind of grooming or talking to or trying to get them interested in public art so they can keep carrying the, the torch, torch that you started? Well, um, I can't say I am grooming anybody for that because I, and I don't, I don't mean to sound, I, it's going to take a special person to, to, to want to do this. Yeah. That's a big undertaking for sure. It's a, and, and, you know, I've been around for such a long time that I've developed relationships with all these artists and they trust me and they know I'm an artist advocate. Um, I'm not going to take advantage of these artists because most of them are, are like me. They just want, they just need the work. 
they need the work. They want to survive as artists. And most artists can't. They have to do a second or third job to do their love. But um, at this point, what it's going to take, I think, is an organization coming forward and saying, we want to do a public art project. And I would say, if you, if I could be the artistic director, the professional artistic director, and work with somebody on your staff, I will teach them how to do this. And, and then maybe that person, like me, would take that, the mantle on, which is going to take somebody that, that loves all the ins and outs of that, of doing what I was doing. And I think there must be somebody that, that would do it, but I'm pretty unique, Jace. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> it's amazing to hear you talk about all of this and to think about how much work goes into it. And then to also realize that you, I mean, you're teaching alongside this, aren't you? I'm teaching and also putting together a collection of new work for an exhibit. So um, the thing is the coronavirus right now, there's a lull in teaching because all the teaching has gone viral. And as an, uh, as an art teacher, I can't teach art virally. I just can't do that. So this has given me the opportunity to put together my uh, collection of new work, which I'm really excited about. And the other thing is, this is not a good time for public art projects because mm -hmm. Every, everybody is trying to figure out day-to-day, -day, you know, how they're going to make it day-to-day, -day, these organizations and the city and everything. So public art and teaching has gone on the back burner. So what I do, I wear those three hats. So that artistic hat where I can just work on my own work, that's come forward now. So uh, I, I feel really blessed that I can do so many different things. And I will never retire. Sorry, Jace. I will never retire. I don't, I don't want you to. I don't want you I to just retire. Won't. I just I feel like this is something I can do and continue working appropriately with people and, and getting, getting the work done so it looks beautiful. And so it will keep bringing that new level, Chloe, that you experience when you move to Lincoln to, link, to our city to make this a better place, a more- Can I ask, can I ask about your current projects or are they secret at this point? Oh, you mean my artistic work? Yeah, yep. Oh no, and in fact, you, that Jace, since you are saving all your money for something beautiful for your home, I will send you an invitation. This work will be in the County City Building and it's a gallery that I established within that space, first floor. And um, it's another way to bring public art to people in their workspace. And this is called um, assemblage, where I take things that I have found along the way and put them together in a piece of art. So it's, it's finding old, I love, finding old things. I love finding things with potential and then putting them together in a collection of work within a frame that is that is beautiful or interesting. So that's what I'm working on now. It's called assemblage. It's a French word for a collection of work, a collective. And um, so we'll see, uh, you guys can come to my next exhibit, which I believe is gonna happen in April. 
if you want to. That Sweet. sounds amazing. And Jace, are you are you starting a collection? An art collection? I mean, yeah. maybe I'll have to. Oh, pretty much, thank you, Jace. Pretty much all the walls in my house are bare. I've never decorated since I moved in, and um, since I moved like out of mom and dad's house after college. So um, it's ripe for the decorating. Yeah. So, and I, I just, I think you're going to find this work very interesting and something, you know, and the other thing that you can do, which I really am going to love, say, if you come to the exhibit is say, you know, Liz, I really like this, but I, this is what I'm looking for. And then I will, you know, not that there's any pressure for me to create a piece of work for you. That's a commission. What I love to do is this collection of work that's coming from my own heart. And it's my own work, and it's it's something that is inspired by, by my own feelings. So if you come and see something that you love, great. But just coming because you're interested in what I'm doing, that's going to fill my heart, Jace, or for anybody that comes to see this new work. So anyway. How, how long will it be on display? It'll be on display for three months. Oh, sweet. Because yeah. Chloe visits Lincoln from time to time and actually works at Kayser. You know, normally she works remotely, but she spends about four or five weeks a year yes. in Lincoln. So she'll be able to come and see it in yeah. person. I will I will let you guys know when it goes up. I'll send you an invitation, Jace, and you can let Chloe know. And uh, Chloe, when you're in Lincoln, the next time you could stop by and, and take a look. I would love that. So Liz, you probably don't know this because you just met Chloe, but Chloe does some of her own art too. I don't know that. Now, Chloe, are you from, how did, how did Kayser get to know you? So um, it happened very randomly. My memory of it is uh, that my sister, Berenice, who at the time worked for Jace, told me one day, hey, um, Jace is looking for help with social media. I know that you're interested in social media. Would you have any interest in talking to him about possibly working on a very, very part-time basis? And I was like, sure, I've never done that before, but I've got nothing to lose. Let's give it a shot. And I think, was that in 2018? I think so. Yeah. So at that time, I was contracting just a few hours a week. We were just sort of, you know, making posts, sharing pictures. Um, and then shortly after that, probably two years after that, I let him know that I was looking for a new job and could he please write me a reference letter? At which point he was like, well, what if I just hired you? Oh my God. Um, yeah, yeah. When she told me she was looking for a new full-time job, I was like, immediately, I was like, well, I'm going to be disappointed if anybody else hires her. So I'm going to have to hire myself. <laughs> So you live in Denver, Chloe? I do. Yep. Okay. You live in Denver, but you're a Lincoln person. Is that kind of what you're, are you from, yes. you're from Lincoln? Yeah. Cause I know My your parents live in Lincoln. In yes. Yep. So it worked out really well too, because I, obviously this was before COVID, um, but I was wanting to be home more. I was wanting to see my parents more and this uh, opportunity allows me to do that. Um, and so it's been good uh, for me for sure. So what kind of art can you guys talk some artsy stuff back and forth? <laughs> I, I can't be in on that because I don't know. But like, Chloe, what do you what do you do with your art that Liz would be interested in? Oh, 
very little that she would be interested in, if I'm being very honest. Uh, I like to, I work primarily with acrylic paint. Um, yeah. It, it's just much less committal to me than oils. Um, oils are a lot of work, and I like to, I, I mean, to say that I'm an artist is, is grossly overstating it. I like to find designs that I enjoy and then replicate them. You know, I know exactly what you mean by the word saying you're an artist. It's kind of an intimidating thing, but mm -hmm. I, for a long time, I, I just said I'm a designer, and the designer part of me, I know that I design, I know I have a strength in composition, but saying you're an artist, that's like, really? That's what I am? That's what I right. do? And the reason why our acrylics dry fast, where oils yeah. are more forgiving, that's why I like oils better, because you can work a little bit longer with them. And, yes. and so I need forgiveness. <laughs> I am very needy. So I mean, that's why I just need something that has a little bit of flexibility. And, you know, that's what I developed with you over time, Jace, was that little bit of flexibility with your dad too. And your mom is just such a sweetie. But um, yeah, and it's interesting how there's so many different art forms out there and some you pick up and you leave and others you just can't leave behind. So mm -hmm. I think also by trying different things and being around different people, the other thing are taking classes every periodically, I would take a class at the university. I love that atmosphere or a mm -hmm. workshop or whatever. And then you might, it, to me, what I tell students is education taking classes is always a valuable use of your time and mm -hmm. because you're going to meet somebody that's going to change your life that's the same with a workplace or whatever it may be because there's somebody in that workplace i know at kaiser there's people that love to do art i know that and by fine if i happen along the way i can talk somebody into saying this this you need to pursue that and by encouraging somebody sometimes we just need somebody to listen and be encouraging and and say you can do this i do much better with positive reinforcement than i do a negative and um so even if people sometimes get <clears throat> frustrated with me gee along the way it's going to work out because that's also encouraging me in a different way to say, Liz, back off or whatever I need to do. But if you're nice to me, Jace, it's going to get me a long, it's going to get you a long way. And you have been nice to me. Right, let's face it. So, and my daughter, I told her I was doing this and she said, well, make sure you put a plug in the, for the wrought iron furniture you did that's on our front porch. So Ooh. you know, that fancy stuff that you did, Jace, yeah. Is Jay still there? Yeah. You remember that that uh, it was white and it was very fancy Victorian. Yeah, how is it? Is it holding up good? Oh, I mean, she's the one that brought it up. I can't, I can't keep track of all the things that I've done with Jace, and and she goes, well, don't forget that they might want to put that on their website. So I don't know a podcast. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Take a picture of it. Chloe would love to use it. My favorite thing about Liz is that favorite and least favorite thing every time she comes in she's always looking for a bargain <laughs> and she and and she does it now just because she knows like that 
I, I just like <laughs> don't go for bargains or anything. So she just does it to irritate me, I think. Hey, the, other, the other thing Jace forgets to do is sales tax. Don't, yeah. don't, you got to put the sales tax in the budget. Put it in the budget. So you go at the end, you go, Liz, I got to charge sales tax. Well, I didn't ask. <laughs> Jace, I think you should have. I think there needs to be a Kaiser punch card where you know your tenth bike is free or whatever. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be incentive? But anyway, he yeah. just Jace, he's so funny. I gotta charge sales tax, Liz. Well, I look at him like, why? Oh God, poor Jace. Oh my gosh, you are so great, Jace. And it, it's so fun because my face hurts from smiling during this interview because you are so patient and you don't even think that's part of your DNA. You are so patient with me, Jace. And thank you for being so nice. Well, thanks. That is true. I don't feel like I'm very patient. But I've, I've been smiling this whole interview, too. It's the most I've smiled in a while. So I haven't got to see you. It's been like a year, I feel like, since you've been down to the shop. Well, the last one was the light bulb. And it wasn't that long ago because it just went up. And remember, I went over there and oh, touched, yeah. touched it up just a little bit. And then because you were... Oh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, somebody, something with a graze or whatever. But you did a great job on that. And now it's out in front of, um, let's see. It's not Zeman. It's, yeah, yeah Zeman. Zeman Elementary. Zeman yeah. Elementary. So, Harris, decal, Harris decals really helped with that. They did a really good oh, job on the decals for, the, for that the artist, When I asked the artist, she just said no. And then I look at it and I go, I can't replicate that. I mean, it's going to take a special, you know, with all the details and all, you know, thank goodness for Harris. And also with the lettering on the gear library bike. I mean, you think about you, even the, 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 even a, a very type A person to, to do lettering, that's extremely hard. So thank goodness for Harris decals and also their their longevity of the work they do. So anyway, definitely. How was the? I feel like the the heart project we were involved with that kind of um, like the first go around, right? Like we did the clear coating um, as they were getting painted from the artists. We weren't yep. really doing the refurbishing, so I kind of saw the other side of the the projects that you do. That one was a little different, wasn't it? Because I, f I feel like I remember there was a lot of people like bought those for themselves and put them in front of their own businesses. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, uh, those the hearts went across the state of Nebraska. They are all over the state. There's uh, There are some still in Lincoln, but most of them. Um, there's one right on 17th and N, I think, or 17th and M right there. But I say most of the hearts went out state because it was Nebraska by heart. People love hearts. It had the state of Nebraska as the base. Um, you did the clear coating because the, sorry, the manufacturer was so, was not careful about waiting long enough before he clear coated. So the ones he clear coated started to bubble. And so that's why I enlisted Kaiser to help us with that because um it has to be done right yeah i think the phone i think the phone call went you called like hey i haven't talked to you in a while jace <laughs> i'm like yeah i need your help <laughs> all right what do you got 
don't. It's just like I try and be so low key, so you don't, you know, start sweating on the other end and say, "Oh my God!" Now, well, I know when my phone's ringing and it's you <laughs> that I gotta be prepared for to get my thinking cap on. Well, it's gonna keep going because I know that no matter if I'm trying to back off from these projects, nobody's going to care more than me about them. That's and then true. when I, when I enlist you, you're going to feel the same way. And um, so I will keep getting those calls and I will keep calling on you and I'll facilitate. That's what I do. I'm the middle person that knows where to go. knows the best people to talk to. And I'll get the job done. So did you ever think when you like when you first started painting and you said you kind of it was like a late bloomer. You'd, it was after your, your bachelor's degree when you kind of got interested in art that you would ever get to the get to the point where you because now you've met tons of artists, deal with tons of artists on a regular basis, kind of almost like in these projects, you're kind of managing the artists a little bit or trying to get them all pointed in the same direction. I, I think that's probably really like you've you've touched and been around a lot of, of different people in the art world now that you never would have otherwise probably. Well, I never, it's true. I, um, the, the state of Nebraska is to me, I don't think you have to go out of the state to find creativity. And, uh, I have gotten to know artists across the state of Nebraska. I've gotten to know people and organizations by doing what I do. And, um, I, you could have, I, I, and that's why life is so exciting. You know, Chloe, you're doing your acrylic, but who knows what you might keep doing with your artwork. I mean, if you just allow yourself the time and allow yourself the, to take advantage of opportunities, but also know your limitations, I, I don't think limitations is in my vocabulary because I, I usually say yes to everything because I'm a problem solver. That's what we are. And uh, the bigger the challenge, the better. And um, I think that's why me and you get along so well, because I, that's what I always say. I am too. I'm a problem solver. Yeah, I love solving problems. And that's what designers do. Designers are problem solvers. A business person has to be a problem solver. And you're working with different people all the time, Jace, in what you do. And if you can't get along with people, you know, they won't come back. So you have to have a little bit of flexibility in what you do. But on the other hand, your high standards have to speak through too. So it's a it's a juggling act. And, you know, I try and eat enough glazed donuts every day so I have enough calories to figure out what I'm going to be doing next. So what kind of problems does public art face in Nebraska? I know you mentioned the weather. Um, is it the cold? Is it the sunlight? Is it the wind? What are your challenges? Well, the weather is, is uh, you know, what I try and do now is to get some of this, a lot, a lot of this work, if possible, placed indoors. And um, like one of the bikes, it was a color wheel bike. Didn't you do that one, Jay? Yeah. Yep. We were, yep. Yeah. You did that one. That was down in front of the Cornister Bank for, not Cornister Bank, the Cornister Hotel, Cornister Marriott. Well, when I had it refurbished, the guy that sponsored the refurbishment process 
I said, would, would it be okay if we put it inside of a school? So as a result of his, well, his monetary support and support in general, it's in more middle school now. It's a, one of the new schools out in East, uh, Southeast Lincoln. So if I can find a spot indoors, yeah, I, I mean, to go through all the work to get something done and then put it back outside again, Geez, mm-hmm. that's asking for trouble. But if I, you know, if I can get things placed indoors, uh, that's what I'm going to work for. You know, Zeman, the the light bulb that you guys just finished for us, Jace, that was hit by a, a a branch during a thunderstorm. That 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 big break in in on the top of it. That's why it got refurbished. And where is it? It's back outside again. And you know, so. I'm kind of at the mercy of where things can be placed and these schools don't have a lot of room for them inside, but I love placing these, these bigger than life sculptures inside a school. Cause you know, who loves them the most are the kids. So, of course. So yeah, the, the Nebraska weather is just brutal. And uh, the tour notebook, you know, you're familiar with that one, Chloe and Jace is down oh, by the course. university. That, that's been refurbished, I think, three times. And it's went out the same times as the bikes. So, uh, but Shelton has the wherewithal. And also, I mean, it's a gorgeous piece of, of art. But, you know, this is art for the masses, what I do. It's art to be appreciated by everyone. This is art that people can identify with. That's why they love these projects. Everybody can identify with a bike or a light bulb or a heart. It's what the artist does with them that makes them unique and wonderful. So, where do you find your artists? Is there an application process or is that invitation? How does oh, that work? Chloe's getting excited. <laughs> well, <laughs> usually I say Nebraska artist, Chloe, but you have Nebraska roots, so I would let you go in. I'm kidding. No, I would. I really would. So, um, what I do, I send out a call for Nebraska artists through the newspapers, through social media, through, um, I send letters. I send lots of letters out to artists I know. She, she parachutes into their office. I parachute <laughs> into people's offices. I mean, it's actually the personal touch. It's making phone calls. It's, uh, you know, it's any way I can figure out to communicate with people. Social media now is a big deal. Um, so I find people like you, Chloe and Jace that do social media and do that for me. I don't do that, but I can pick up the phone. I do that a lot. And it always is the best way either to parachute in even briefly, Jace, not to take up people's time, but to, to make a phone call, to talk to people personally. Oh, I go out and I will do a lot of public presentations to tell artists in galleries I have oh I have I always have an artist meeting so artists could come and learn about what the project is I have a manufacturer there to answer questions and then usually the artists leave really excited to participate so plus the artists get a third of the money from the um from the auction usually there's an auction as a fundraising component so it's a way they can raise money there's usually a book about the project So their name is out there in print. People buy the book. So they, you know, recognizing an artist for what they do, that's a big reason why artists get involved in these projects. So they get commissions later on sometimes. So 
I love that. What's the most a piece uh, of one of these campaigns has gone for at auction? The highest selling piece of art was $24,000. Whoa. Wow. And that was one of the public art that pieces? Was, yeah, that was, that's the what I'm talking about. The highest selling bike, I think, was $16,000. Um, and then after the hand, during the hand auction, the highest selling set of hands went for 24000 Wow. I know. That's, that's so amazing for the community. I know. It's crazy. It's great for the artist who gets a third of that. It's great for the organization. Depending, you know, if there's one organization, they get two thirds of the amount of the, from the auction. If it's um, a organization, let's see, what is it? Yeah, usually two thirds. Sometimes two organizations go into sponsoring a public art project like the Hearts, two organizations did that. So it's a win-win financially and uh, in lots of ways. And then for the artists to also get their work out there and their name known. So um, so do you, do when they do those auctions, does all of that end up staying in Nebraska? Or do you think some people like catch wind of it from out of state and then they, they actually bid and, and win? the bid and then it, it like have some of these traveled oh. and are, are residing across the United States now. Yeah. One of the bikes went to Arizona. Um, the hands, let's see where some of the hands. Oh, one of the, one, another bike went down to Kansas. Um, oh, and one of the um, hearts went down to Kansas. Yeah. They, it, Oh, one of the hands also went out, you know, do you remember Spider-Man? Yeah. That went to San Francisco. Wow. I mean, it just, it's, it's a, it, these are advertised nationally. I put the word out there, especially with the bikes, because then what happened was Lincoln didn't want the bikes to leave. So a lot of the bikes uh, that raised the price at the auction because people came from other places to buy the bikes, but Lincoln didn't want him to leave. That's why you see so many of the bikes around Lincoln still. Plus, that was a city project. It was sponsored by the Lincoln Arts Council. So the city really bought into that one. Mm -hmm. Since then, the other organizations aren't a part of the city. So they don't take as much ownership in those. That's why they only give us four locations. But the, Lincoln, but the Arts Council, Lincoln Arts Council, that was Lincoln's first. Uh, Lincoln loved the bikes. I mean, all, all the stars were aligned for that one. And... Um, well, that's great that they, I didn't realize they go across the United States oh. now. That's cool that the, what something that you started here in Nebraska now right. goes across the whole United States. And they all have a plaque on them, Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, they each of the bikes, whatever, like, as you know, you have to take them off before yep. you clear coat them. They come off, they, they have a tag on them. It's like a, a tagging a bird. You know, they're, they're going to fly, but that tag's always going to be on them, where they were made. And it says something about our city. I got goosebumps talking about that. That's the first time I've talked about that. <laughs> it's cool. I, I didn't realize that they go. I thought they all stayed in Nebraska. No. But it makes sense because there's so many of those that yeah. I mean, might as well go across the country, share it with everybody. They do. They go all over. It's a public auction. And it, the each of the um, pieces of art goes to the highest bidder no matter where that bidder's from. The point of the auction is to raise money. So right. um, 
Well, if Chloe, you, you'll be able to. It, I think Chloe, like, since she's interested in art, <laughs> and now she's getting to know Liz, and Chloe already has a connection with Kaiser. Maybe there's another art project to bring yeah, in here. If there's something uh, bubbling, I will definitely let you know. If you had your choice of, let's imagine that coronavirus goes away and everything gets back to normal, and you want to do another one of these, if you had your choice of shape, what would your next shape be? I, I say shape because I don't know what else to call it. Um, bike, yeah. hand, star, heart, whatever. What would you pick? Oh, golly. That was, a, was that on the list of questions? No, I'm completely <laughs> springing this on you. I'm sorry. No, I love stuff like that. I thought, geez, that would have been good homework. Um, uh -huh. Gosh. I, I imagine it probably, so like the lighthouse one, obviously it made sense that it was a light bulb because it was themed by, you know, the yeah. organization put it on. So I'm sure that you're probably largely yeah. influenced by whoever's sponsoring. No, well, this is, this is so interesting that you asked me that because the light bulb was something I came up with for Nebraska City. Oh. And because... What is my goal as an, uh, as an artist is to come up with a concept that's never been done before. Mm -hmm. Well, I should have just drawn a picture of a tree because that's what they ended up picking. Surprise, okay. surprise in Nebraska City. So I had the light bulb in my back pocket. So when I got the call from Lighthouse to do a public art project to sell, help them celebrate their 25th anniversary, what do you think they were thinking of as a concept? Lighthouse. Lighthouse. That's amazing. I went, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We are landlocked in Nebraska. You know, yeah. and lighthouses have been done before. Can I can I show you something that I think you might be interested in? And so I, I had a shoebox and I had taken a light bulb and I spray painted it white. I put it out of the shoebox and they looked at me like can, you know that feeling when it's just blank and they, mm -hmm. they they're looking at you like yeah. And I thought, I said, but this is so symbolic. This is what you do. And everybody yeah. can identify with a light bulb. So same with the bikes, something that's never been done before. So the bikes, the light bulbs, the hearts, that, that had been done before in San Francisco. Because mm -hmm. remember, I left my heart in San Francisco. That's the song by Frank Sinatra. But nobody has had the base of Nebraska. So that made that ours. Uh, right. what was it? The hand serving hands. To my knowledge, that had never been done before, and that really fit the concept of the campus life. But if I had to do another one all on my own, gosh, I have to think about it. That's usually if I say that, I, well, I'm going to well, say. Well, that's I, good because we want to have you on again sometime. So we'll, yeah, be, able to, we'll be able to ask to you continued. that question. You then. know what, Chloe? Thank you for asking me that. Because that is something that I'm going to think about. And mm -hmm. I love thinking about things and bubbling and coming up like the light bulbs. Something that's, that everybody can identify with, but also surprising and fun and inspiring. Right. So good. Thank you, Chloe. I don't know. I'm going to think about it. I look forward to seeing what you come up with. I don't say that very often, Chloe. So you to get me to stop talking and actually... <laughs> We got our speechless, Jace. I, I, think you, I think you did. 
<laughs> Liz, you know how you say that you that you see the twinkle in my eye when you come down? You Chloe's getting a twinkle in her eye with <laughs> talking about this art with you. So I am you, so you may have found you may have found your successor possibly. Well, I tell you what, I'm a I I work well with kids and um, and I'm a good mentor and I because I care. Period. I just care. So this is really I am really honored to do this for for you, Jace, and to work with you, Chloe, and. Um, I'm just a call away. You know that, Jace. Maybe when COVID finally, you know, I think we're on the tail end of it, but, and Chloe's down here sometime, we need to get all three of us get in a car and we'll drive around. I'll drive and Liz, you can tell us where we're going and we can I, go visit a ton of the art projects that are around town that you've been a part of. And In your pickup truck? Yeah. All right. We'll do little... We'll do little videos of you, Liz, talking about each one, and we'll compile it into kind of a tour oh, of Nebraska. Chloe, that would be sweet. Chloe, you are so adorable. I love you already. Well, anyway, you guys, thank you for this opportunity. And Jace, thank you for all you've done for me. I really mean that. Well, thanks for everything that you've done for me, too. I've, you helped me uh, get my head out of super hard down on on the track of just working, 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 and, and always never uh taking the time to enjoy some of the projects we do and your projects I just have are always one, enjoyable i have one more thing to say your dad is so lucky to have you your dad couldn't have a better son and uh i know that he feels that too so i know he's very proud of you because i i can feel his pride all right all right i'm done talking all, all right. right thank, thank you, you. Guys. yeah all right. thank you bye, so much Chloe. we'll talk to you later uh, okay bye-bye bye we we had um, a couple different questions on social media this week. Um, do you want to go through both of them, or do you want me to pick one? Both. The more the merrier. Perfect. The first one was from Chris Allen on LinkedIn, and he asked, I would love to hear how supplier relationships can affect the end product and how suppliers can better serve their customers in the metal finishing industry. All right. So Chris has been following us on social media quite a bit. His company is SIC Industries. They may, they do a lot of pretreatment chemicals. Um, so he, I think he's coming from the mindset of like he's a supplier. How can he better serve his customers? Uh, I, my biggest thing would be like speed of our suppliers, just in like everything that they do, and and also communication or lack thereof. So when I say speed, I just mean that sometimes it's with the bigger, larger supplier companies. There's a lot of layers that we have to go through to get what we need so it can kind of slow the process down. And since we're a job shop, we're naturally usually in a hurry because our customers are in a hurry and everything seems to be last minute and an emergency. So like when we're trying to get quotes from suppliers to figure out what the material is going to cost so we can hurry and get a quote to a customer, the speed of that's important. If we have an issue, Tech, getting a hold of um, a technical rep quickly via phone or email so like on the spot they can help us fix the problem because we normally don't have like two weeks to wait to hear back or even a week like we need if we call we kind of need a phone call back within the hour so we can solve the issue and continue production and then you know sometimes we've kind of gotten into being a little more at Kaiser anyway but we've gotten into being a little bit more stringent about how we handle 
issues with our suppliers and try to document it more instead of just doing random calls or emails complaining. We try to we do non-conforming material forms and fill out corrective actions, basically specifying like, hey, here's what the problem was. You know, here's what we need you to do to fix it. Here's, you know, and give them all the details. And Chloe's been involved in with that quite a bit and helps solve on the paperwork side. I feel like that's worked really well for Kaiser. And I feel like that, that when our suppliers respond to those quickly, it's helpful. Um, we've, we've had some cases where suppliers respond right away. They like it because it tells them exactly what the problem was and then what we want them to do to, to fix it or how we can work together with our supplier to fix it. It's always frustrating when we take the time to lay everything out for our supplier and say, hey, here's the issue we're having. Here's what we need you guys to do to help us. And then they just ignore it or put a due date on there because we're trying to have it resolved by a certain time for our customer and they just go way past due on it. And then it's back ordering. That's also obviously is hard for us. Um, slows us way down if we try to order supplies from our suppliers and then they don't have them in stock, which happens more than you would think. So to answer Chris's question, I would just say if the, the speedier they can be, the better. And I know that I... Um, we talk a lot about our customers want stuff super fast and that, you know, sometimes you have to just be patient. If you want a really good quality product, you can't always have something right away. It's not, we're not McDonald's. And so I, I come to the table understanding that and I try to give our suppliers the benefit of the doubt, but it still speed is important. So it, it's not necessarily that it has to be like a drive through where they immediately have everything that you need, but if that could be at the top of their mind, especially for when they're serving job shops, I, I think that that could be helpful. And then along with speed, just lack of communication uh, is challenging. The main thing that I see a lot that is frustrating is price increases, which are totally fine. But a lot of the time, I think sales reps don't want to tell you about the price increases just because nobody wants to pay more, right? But I'd rather know ahead of time. So when I'm quoting projects, I can actually put in the new price. So mm -hmm. I don't end up getting hosed because once I give a quote, I can't. And now my material cost goes up. It, it doesn't look the greatest and customers don't receive it the greatest when you say, well, I got to increase the price. They usually don't understand that or they'll be like, well, you quoted it this way. So why is that my problem? So that, that's right. always frustrating when that doesn't get communicated ahead of time. I think all suppliers could do a better job of that because pretty much you, like when, if I know I'm going to increase prices or I'm thinking about raising price on a certain product or something that we're, you know, a certain part or something that we powder coat consistently, I know well ahead of time that I'm going to do it. So <laughs> I know that these suppliers know well ahead of time that they're going to probably do it. So the sooner that they could... I guess the speedier that they can get that to their customers, I think the more helpful that it'll be. I want to give a shout out. I think, is it spray equipment? I think, um, is the one that springs to mind. Like the minute I send a PO, they write right back and say, here's our pricing for these items. Just letting you know. Um, and I always really appreciate that. Yeah, they do a good job. absolutely. And I think they do a great job with that. My, um, and, and spray equipment is a great, 
supplier, but to kind of illustrate, that's a perfect way to illustrate Chris's point. So like we send in a PO to them that we order a lot of supplies for our powder coating equipment from spray equipment, um, Jevin and, and Matt, they do a great job, but it would be fantastic and how they could serve us better if when there was a price increase, they told us. They proactively emailed. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's fine. It's, it's understandable. It's pieces of equipment. Um, and the, the, the main manufacturer of these pieces of equipment, spray equipment is the reseller. So obviously if the main manufacturer's prices go up, so is spray equipments. So that makes sense. And of course, we're just going to pay more for them because we have to have these parts to fix our, our powder equipment or to keep it keep it going because there's always wear parts that you have to replace but it would be nice um if we were spoiled in the sense that ahead of time they just said hey here's the new prices instead of us kind of we always catch i feel like we catch the price increase on the back end on pretty much right. everything that we order whether it's a material that goes on a customer's part or it's um supplies and equipment that we just have to upkeep for our own equipment almost always the price increase gets told to us when we place a PO and the price that they have in their system doesn't match what we at, you know, what we put on our purchase order, which to me is like, you know, that, that's the, that fully answers Chris's question. Like get out in front of that stuff. Don't, don't wait for the customer to, to inquire about something. And then you're like, Oh yeah, by the way, we forgot right. to tell you. So that makes sense. The other question we had was from Caleb Douglas, also on LinkedIn, um, and he wanted to know, do you use heat tape for masking or do you use something else? So we, yes, we do. Just depends on exactly what we're doing. So blasting, we typically use a really good quality duct tape that's really sticky so it doesn't blow off, but also really thick so that it doesn't like disintegrate immediately when, when blast media hits it. On like liquid coating side, just regular masking tape works well for that because it doesn't, so it's just drying in the air. It doesn't have to go in an oven or anything, so we don't have to worry about heat. And we don't want it to really be super sticky because we want to make sure we can get it off after we've, we're done from painting and we want it to come off pretty easy. And then powder coating, obviously, that cures in a 400-degree oven, so we have to have some sort of high-temp tape. We get all of our tape and masking typically from Viadon. So definitely check that out uh, and get a hold of Stephanie up there. They're very, very helpful. Google them, Viadon, V-I-A-D-O-N. Um, the tape that we use from them is a polyester tape, and most of their tapes for powder coating, I think, are polyester. They have a lot of different temperatures uh, that they can service with their different lines of tape. We get the one that is good up to 425 degrees. It's orange because we're mainly curing at 400 degrees. Uh, the tip that I can give to everybody that's powder coating, if you cure at 400, don't get a 400 degree tape because you're right on the edge and it just doesn't work as well. Basically it's hard and brittle. So when you go to peel it off, it's a pain in the butt, it takes forever. So you wanna get, you wanna get a, a high temp tape that is good up to a little bit higher temperature than what you're gonna take it up to. I did not know that. Okay. And there's all kinds, of, like there's ones that go higher than 425, like there's like 600 degree. They just get more expensive as you go up in higher temperature. And so we don't 
we don't need that because we're not going up to those high temperatures. But there is a when you get into the masking tapes and plug world, there's all kinds of different little caveats. And um, we'll, I'm I'm hoping that we can get one of the representatives from Biden on the podcast someday and just ask them because they have a lot of they deal with it all the time, obviously all day every day, and so they when I'm really questioning what we should be using or I have a new special project that's going to require a lot of masking, I'll usually ask them a few questions because they have other options that aren't well known to everybody. Maybe like a specialized thing that they had to use on a project once in the past. And so then it, they know that would work really good for the new project that we have coming up or something rather than just like the regular stock tape. Cause sometimes it, the tapes work good, but sometimes it's not perfect for the application that you're doing. That's very interesting. There's also, I mean, we're going to talk about masking at some point on social media, but um, I know you use a lot of caps and plugs as well. Is that all from Viadon too? Yes, mostly from Viadon. We do use a little bit from Epsi, but Viadon has become probably our main supplier for plugs and masking. They're very customer service and actually it goes along with Chris's question. The reason why, the main reason why that we use Viadon is speed. And Kelly, you've probably seen it. When we send them a PO, it's immediate or RFQ. Mm -hmm. It's an immediate response. Literally, like within five minutes, there's a response. And that's just fantastic. I, so when, when people and suppliers service us like that, when we don't even ask for that great of service or that quick, like I want it to be fast, but I don't expect somebody to email back minutes after I just emailed them. And so when that happens repeatedly and... When they ship us stuff, it comes in a couple days or one day and everything's right and prices are competitive. That's, you know, that's why we use Viadon. So that's great. One stop shop. Definitely. Absolutely. So today, I think that kind of wraps everything up. We had, a, that was a really, really good interview with Liz. Um, I really enjoyed talking to her. That's the most that I've smiled in a long time. It's probably the most mm -hmm. Chloe's seen me smile ever since she's known me <laughs> i don't know why i just was smiling all the time i like listening to liz talk she's really fun um we've had our some of our trials and tribulations we we get we and her are both type a personalities she kept saying type a that she has type a personality so do i we're perfectionists we want everything perfect uh, most of the time we we have different ways that we think that that the project needs to be done to make it perfect um, but it's always enjoyable working together and and it's turned into a, a good relationship. I feel like that she's like an aunt or a, a grandmother or something to me. Um, she's always good to me and we get along really well. So it's it's kind of like working with my mom and dad when I'm working with her, it feels like. And I usually, I usually learn something from her too. She's helped me learn to be a lot more patient and a little more open-minded. So that's that's been fun. We have to get your dad back on the, the podcast and ask him about his side of the story with getting to know her. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, she she pretty much explained it pretty well, I think. Uh, she she has the perfect take on it. Um, and I think she's always enjoyed uh, that, that not everybody can break through uh, Jay's outer shell or, you know, he he's very businesslike and, and to the point and doesn't like to waste time on anything. And so most people get turned off by that and, and kind of just stay 
at arm's length away, but Liz is a very persistent person and she I think she broke through that and, and got to the the nicer or sweeter side of dad or mm-hmm. Jay that that's what how Liz would put it I think and she definitely did and so she's she's definitely very special to Kayser and we enjoy working with her it's great it was such a pleasure to finally meet her even if not in person yeah well definitely that's great that she's doing a um doing a display and, and working on her own art I know that ever since I've known her she hasn't to my knowledge, hasn't done much of that just because she's all, every time I talk to her, she's always been busy with public art, but that makes sense that that's kind of been on the back burner because of everything that's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's great that she's getting time to, to do what she loves to do. I just thought it was so interesting that she didn't start doing it until, um, college age basically. And then, cause to me, like, you know, if you would have met her in person and listened to her talk and been around her, like I always thought that she's been doing it forever, like since a little kid, like like a little girl in art class that was like super amazing artist because she that's just all that's her life is art. So that's interesting to me that that didn't happen in her life until 20 years into it. That's very interesting to me. Yep. Because that's like, yeah, I, I don't know. You when did you get into when... art? When did you get into art? Um, so you know how she talked about how she and her college roommate didn't have a television, so they had to find something else to do. Yeah, I grew up without a television, so okay. Um, so I think it started there, right? Like kids without TV are gonna draw pictures. Um, that's where I started. I would not say that I am at all in her league. I don't consider myself an artist that way. However, you um, definitely are, though. Don't be bashful. <laughs> I think it started. So yeah, I started as a kid. I took a couple classes in college. Um, and then now it's a thing that I do mostly by request when friends want something. Um, it, it's, it's time consuming. And so the fact that, you know, now with the, the pandemic, she has time to work on her, on her own stuff. I'm jealous of that because, because it takes time and it's just not something we have. Yeah. So. Well, I think that, if anybody was going to take over Lincoln art projects or learn how to do art projects from Liz could possibly would, be, could possibly I be would, you. I would be thrilled to be her mentee. <laughs> I could just tell by the look on your face when she was talking and you're asking her questions. I was like, Oh boy, something's yeah. happening here. If she's looking for a mentee. I apply. Well, we'll have to go to her art show and when that's up and going in the next couple months when you're back and get the process started, maybe. Great. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. This is our first interview of a non-Kazer, and I think it went really well. We're looking forward to doing more interviews like that. If anybody has any suggestions of people that they would like to hear on the show in within the blasting and coding industry or, or it doesn't have to be um it could be someone like liz who's just been associated or, or had some experience with or they don't have to have any experience at all we definitely want to hear about it we like interviewing new people so Kazercast episode six will be coming up we're going to take a couple weeks off but it'll be coming up soon and hopefully we'll have a, a really good interview coming up on that one too thanks for listening
Hey, is everything working good for you? You need anything? Anything broke? Anything leaking? Just make sure we stay on track with the yellows and everything will be fine. Little things lead to big things. When you stay late tonight, we need to get this job finished up. Overall, I think everybody's doing a great job. Keep up the good work. It's getting hot out, so make sure you're drinking plenty of water. I know this job's been difficult, and everybody's getting frustrated. But if we can't do it, nobody else can. That's the reason why the job's here, because nobody else could get it figured out. Just keep working at it. Don't get frustrated. We'll keep collecting data, taking good notes, and we'll get it figured out. Does anybody else have anything?